So we are ready to dig into Acts, and I want you to have as many uh, resources to help supplement your learning process. This is definitely going to be a, um, a new and refreshing study compared to what we did in Ezekiel. So this particular DVD is one way you can enhance your learning as you're going through this. It's not going to... Uh, it's not going to explain anything to you. He's, it's just done in action. It's, a, it's like a movie, but not a full-out, you know, cinema movie. It's just called Acts. It's the visual a- uh, Bible is the name of the series on it. You can also get the book of Matthew. It's another one that's really good. But start with Acts, because we're in Acts, <laughs> okay? And it's not expensive, so you can purchase it. And it's a great one, because it is word for word. I love that. So you can purchase something like this and use this to enhance your learning time during these next few months. Um, uh, you know, I don't... I, that I, the New International Version, NIV. And Debbie brought uh, this particular little ad to uh, all of us this morning that she saw... It's from uh, the Turning Point for God ministry with Dr. David Jeremiah. He is beginning uh, on Easter, uh, April 5th, Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 5th, a TV series that's 12 weeks long on the book of Acts. So it would be like, I know it's going to be jumping ahead some. I know it's adding a little bit more in than we sometimes like for you guys to just, uh, you know, we, we save our commentary reading for after you've done your work. Uh, hopefully he won't jump too far ahead. However, he probably will at some point because he's going to do everything in 12 weeks. We're going to be in it for several months. <clears throat> so um, still, I think it'd be good. I, I don't know what, it, or it could be something you could record and watch later. Just set your TV settings for record on this. So um, it says NBC television airing a powerful new television series based on the book of Acts called A.D. Okay. Turning Point has been asked to present the biblical background for the program. It's a tremendous opportunity, a door that could uh, only be opened by God, and I invite you to be a part of it. Here's how. Tune in to Turning Point Television on Easter Sunday, April 5th. And we will begin an illuminating 12-week journey with my brand-new teaching series, A.D., The Revolution That Changed the World, which is so cool because it's it's exactly what we're going to be doing. So you may – I'll pass this around. You can get the information off of it that you think you might need. But just knowing that it's going to be on NBC television and that it's the Turning Point uh, television program with Dr. David Jeremiah, that probably would give you enough. But Okay, so we'll pass that around. Yes. Yes, John Haggy is also great. Yeah, there's a one-night subathon at the Galleria Graffiti there near Florida called Four Blessings, and it was amazing. And Sam Gale was an amazing teacher. You could look it up. Probably on John Haggy NBC. And wouldn't you know they do it on a Monday, so I can't come. So, so. You're going to have to watch and then report, right, to, to me, every detail. So take notes. <laughs> okay, so did everybody hear that? There's a one-time showing of a, mov- of a movie. It's basically, it's not the four blessings, but it's like the festivals, the three festivals, you know, and it's like you're in this, like, little area that's at the Galleria. Uh, Hill Country Galleria. Hill Country Galleria. On 
And I also think this John Hagee presentation on the four blood moons will eventually be on DVD and we'll be able to purchase it. So if you miss it, just keep your eyes out. You should be able to order it as well, I would guess. John Hagee is one of the people I particularly love to listen to also. He's a straight shooter. He's definitely a prophet. This guy can, he can bring you to your knees and make you feel real convicted. <laughs> okay, I love him. All right, so... Those are a couple of things I just wanted to give you a heads up about that I think will help supplement. And always, of course, go online, Google stuff on the book of Acts, and look to see what else is out there. You may find other teachers out there that you like, and as you do, please bring them in. Bring us the web address if you've got it from your computer so that we can um, share it in class. Or forward it on to Lois and say, hey, I found a really good site. I think this one's excellent. As long as you feel it's a good one. I'm, I'm more than happy for us to send them out, but I can tell you all, as always, buyer beware. You have to watch everything that you watch through a filter of understanding that the great thing is we are going to be doing the inductive work. So you'll have the filter by the time we're done with this to be able to properly assess what, what these uh, speakers and teachers are giving to you. Um, but in the meantime, listen to everything and just make sure that when you're done, it does not violate a known doctrine and that it lines up with the author's purpose, which we will develop starting this week in our homework. Okay? Everybody good with that? I am so excited. I cannot wait to get started on Acts. What a, what a refreshing uh, time it's going to be for all of us. And I think so timely, Rob uh, Rob's service uh, message this week was on... Um, the value of work, right? And I bet you can't think how I could possibly tie this in with Acts, but I can. <laughs> because the ministry work that God gave us in the, in the opening chapter of Acts, that, you know, there, you're going to come to see that there's a question that they ask of Jesus. And Jesus' re reply to them is, look, don't worry about that right now. What you need to be worrying about is what you need to be getting busy doing, which is witnessing of me, Right? And so you and I, until, you know, we can look and observe and see the signs of the things that are coming. And we can, um, we can try to assess whether something is fulfilling of Scripture or uh, how close we might be. Or could it be this nation or could it be that person um, that is going to bring about some of these fulfillings of the end time prophecies that we, that we just came out of. But... The reality is until that day, until that day when God calls us up, we're to be working, right? Working first and foremost for the Lord. Secondarily, of course, God's, uh, Rob's message was we're to be working. <laughs> and I thought, what a great message in our world today where everything is free. Every, everything is go to the government, let them just give you a free handout. Uh, count on your family members to bail you out right and left constantly and live in that way. And that is not God's plan that is not okay with the Lord and he will not bless an attitude that says I'll just soak off of everyone else while while I lay back kick my feet up and watch TV all day doesn't work okay even even people who don't have full-time professions of where they get a paycheck like me I'm at home stay at home mom grandma wife those kinds of things you still work right whatever you do you work at it fully and if it's for me it's it's ministry work so whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart, and you do it as unto the Lord. And you work until that day when he comes to, to catch us up in the air or until you die, right? No, no vacations for us. 
Um, so I thought Rob's message was really great, and it tied in very well as a, as a lead-in to what we're getting into here in the book of Acts. All right, I would like to just open us with a word of prayer and get started on covering a few of the, the um, guidelines to help you get started in this particular study, so hopefully you get off to a really good, strong start, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you again for bringing us here, for allowing us this amazing and tremendous privilege of being in your house and being uh, among our brothers and sisters in Christ, allowing us, Father, the joy of this fellowship and the joy of uh, digging into your word and, and delighting, Father, in the things that you will reveal to us each week. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so blessed. And Lord, as we um, receive this opportunity to you, as we embrace this opportunity, I ask, Father, that each and every one of us, Father, would, would truly be determined that this would be something that we will make as a priority in our lives, that we will not just get it done and check the box and move on, but, Father, that we would really delight in the truths that you're going to show to us. These things, Father, pertain to us right here, right now. This is the church, Father, the church that you have birthed through your son, Jesus Christ, at a great cost by his blood, Father. You initiated this through this new covenant called the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And we ask, Father, now that as we open your word in this book of Acts, as we begin this journey, that, Father, by the power of your spirit, you would enlighten us, that you would give us truth, that you would help us, Father, to set aside um, any bad teachings, maybe things that are, are in error or a little bit crooked, that, Father, you would allow us to straighten those things out and to um, make sure, Father, that we truly see your word for the way that you intended it to be. Uh, and, Lord, I ask also that you would just um, encourage us, each one of us, that we would find value and satisfaction, Father, in in proclaiming your gospel to the people in the world that we live in, each of us individually. And, Father, the, sometimes the opportunities, they, they just pop up at the least expected time. And um, I ask, Father, that you would just bear fruit in this study, that you would allow us, Father, to, to cultivate relationships and to draw people into their faith, into a faith with you, Father, through a, a gospel which is pure, which is um, not leaving anything out, Father, that we retain the standard of sound doctrine as we give the gospel, that we give the full gospel, Father, so that people would come into this faith and understand the responsibilities that they have to you, not because, Father, that earns their salvation, but, Father, because that is um, the covenant responsibility of those who love you. And so in response, Father, today, we now commit ourselves to you in this study. We ask, Father, for your blessing and for your protection over our time. Now we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's welcome. How, how many new ones do we have in here? Do we? I'm looking. There's really the Margaret is a returner. Hello. Welcome back, my dear friend. I am so grateful to see you here. This is awesome. And I know many of you know Margaret, and so she's been in and out. And um, I'm going to just tell you, and I hope you won't mind, her mother recently passed, and this has been a real struggle for her, and we need to love her. 
Okay, just make her feel, yeah, because it's hard, and it's very close to her mom. So, aw, that was sweet. Thank you, Barbara. <laughs> All right, so give her, everybody run and give her a hug at the end of class, okay? Make her feel loved, and, and um, we definitely understand. Uh, another thing I would, along that lines, I just want to mention, I forgot to mention earlier, Miss Lily Day-Kladinsky is very, very ill. Her daughter, Georgina, left yesterday to go to... Now, let me, Costa Rica, I get it backwards. I always say Puerto Rico for some reason. It's Costa Rica uh, to see her and um, just be lifting up Lily because she, you know, we may not see her sweet face again. She may not make it back. And I'm so sad. I have to say I had a good cry when I got that news. It was real hard to hear because I really, really love this woman. But anyway, so be praying for Miss Lily, okay? Um... Anything else we need to cover in those regards? I think that because m- most of us really do know one another. Now, there's one that joined us at the end last. What is your name? Would you like to introduce yourself to all of us just to be sure that we, we meet everybody? Okay. All right. Well, good. I know you've been here a while, but it, you're still a new face, sort of, right? So we're just going to acknowledge that. Make sure she gets a name tag. Would you, Lois? I, can, I don't see a name tag on her. Um, thank you. Sorry. And Lois, she looks so cute this morning. She's adorable. I know everybody's saying, I'm going, oh, I can't wait for those long skirts to come back in. I always love those. I just think they're so adorable. All right, so we're going to start a new trend at this church. We're all wearing them, <laughs> even if they aren't yet. And yet, I like them. <laughs> okay, all right. So I'm going to give you a few instructions to kind of get you started. The first thing I said earlier was it's important to read this book through because what do we know about doing this kind of literary work? Tell me the kind of literary work the Book of Acts is. It's history. What do we know about history and how we handle it in doing the inductive Bible study process? Take it literal. The interpretation is literal, obvious. And the great thing is in this one, to my knowledge, there are no visions. However, there are going to be some challenges. Oh, there are? There's a vision in it? What, what did I miss? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's true. Forgot about that one. You're right. Peter's vision. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, what... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was a literal uh, result to that. So, but there are going to be some interesting challenges in, in this book. There's going to be some subjects come up. We're going to talk about that next. Um, but let me just read the opening of page 157. This is called. This chapter is kind of in the appendix. It says Appendix A of your How to Study book for doing inductive processes. There is a a whole chapter in here which I highly recommend you all read through this week to get you started on this. The very opening verses of it say this. Remember the overview is usually reserved for letters. Okay, so is Acts a letter? No. No, it's not a letter. It's history, right? For history and prophecy, it's chapter-by-chapter study works best. Now, this is, remember a few, uh, it's been a few months ago, but this was like a revelation statement. They had never had this in their book before. And I and remember for many times we would do books, I'd go, why aren't we doing an overview? Why aren't we doing an overview? I don't get it. We're not doing an overview. Well, because in history and prophecy, you don't. 
it's better to simply take it chapter by chapter and let it develop for you as you move through it, okay? However, the, the problem with that then is, is you don't get that big picture of knowledge or right off the bat because you don't do that full uh, overview. So what I recommend is that you do that read through on your own. Just discipline yourself to do that. The book of Acts is very easy reading. We are only going to be doing the first 12 chapters. So if you feel like you are limited in your time and you're not sure that you have the time to read the whole book of Acts, at least get the first 12 chapters read through because those are go be going to be the ones that we are addressing in part one. Okay, so read it all through. And it says, in letters you can develop the book theme before the chapter themes, but in other genres you should develop the chapter themes first. All of the other steps below then work well for all kinds of books. So then he go she goes on in this forum and gives us the basic processes that you're going to do. So I'm going to kind of go through these for you right now just so that you know. You're going to begin, begin and continue with an attitude of prayer. You're going to read and reread the book to be studied. So that, that's, she already instructs us to do that. Identify the type of literature which you're, you are dealing with. We've already done that, and I think all, everyone in here knows because we're old hats, most of us, in the Word of God. We know uh, the book of Acts is history. Number four, it says, um, deal with the book objectively. Number five, as you continually read, be sure that you are reading with a purpose, asking what? Five That's right. Five questions. What are they? Who, what, where, why, how. There you go. Who, what, where, when, why, how, right? Okay. So interrogate and ask those questions as you're reading through. To discover the context of any book, you're going to begin by identifying the facts about people and events mentioned. Now, you are going to see that in your homework this week, that's one of the things she's going to ask you to do in chapter one is identify your people and identify your events, mark them. And then a little bit later in the homework, she's going to say, now make a list on those things. So you will be doing, we're back to doing old-fashioned inductive Bible study again. The, all those basic principles that we didn't do much of in Ezekiel, okay? So you're going to be looking for keywords. You're going to look at your key people. You're going to make lists. I love it. <laughs> We're back to some basic principles. We're back to the same, the, the simplicity of inductive Bible study. Number seven, it says read and reread the text until you discover those words and phrases that are repeated. Now, obviously, just reading one chapter, you're only going to see what's repeated in the one chapter. That's why I think the best thing for you to do is to do that read through, at least through those first 12 chapters, because what will happen is just by reading it without even stopping to ponder, but just reading after a little bit, you're going to start seeing things re be repeated. And then when you go back and start doing your work in chapter one, you're going to know right away what, what the repeated thing is, right? And you may already know what it is just without even be because of your history of knowledge at this point. But still, you're going to see it. It's going to present itself very obviously. Uh, and then she tells us that in uh, this process of step one, doing basically kind of an overview, she says you're going to mark those key words that are, and phrases that are repeated a lot and make brief, brief lists on them. Identify the main theme that best summarizes the book. So you're going to title your chapter, in other words. You're going to construct an at-a-glance chart. Now, how valuable is that at-a-glance chart? Have we, did we not see in Ezekiel the great value of that at-a-glance chart by the time we did that last lesson? If I had not been doing that, if you had not been doing that, 
Would we have seen the linear flow of thought progressively through history if we had not done a, an at-a-glance chart? No. We'd have still been dancing around going, well, I wonder if it could. And as soon as anybody would present to us any other option for interpretation on some of those difficult uh, challenges that are in there, you could get sucked right in, under, in and out and, and be put to basically put qu made quiet. But because you did an observation and it's clearly laid in front of you, you can say, no, this is an unfolding linear um, uh, I record of events, how God dealt with them at that time, what he dealt, did with dealing with the nations, what his promise is for them for the future, and then that eventual uh, millennial temple that's to come. And you can see that progressive thing, and it was broken down by those segment divisions that laid that out, right? You're going to see the same thing in the book of Acts. If you will develop your at-a-glance chart, you're going to begin to, in time, see your segment divisions develop and the flow of thought. You're also, in this book, I think, going to find uh, a variety of segment divisions. There's going to be things that pertain to certain people groups, I think. There'll be some things that pertain to certain doctrines, like uh, maybe witnessing. For those of you who are evangelists, you're going to love the book of, of Acts because it's going to really enhance your insights and understanding about good methods of evangelism, what it is that, that you need to focus in on as the key essentials. Um, and also, another thing that's going to happen is you're going to start seeing some of these other kinds of controversial subjects that you're going to begin to be able to lay foundation for by doing this study. Um, I can tell you that when I, years back, I did a study with preset ministry on um, how to handle a difficult subject. And in that training, we used the book of Acts. So that's where I went through. It, it, the little bit I have done in Acts, I did it in that particular uh, workshop. It was basically five days, four and a half days. Eight-hour days in the classroom, plus tons of homework, plus preparatory before the class. It was a really intensive course. But we, we worked on the subject of the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is a, is a challenging subject for some people and people who have that, that as um, something that comes or goes or that you can lose and that you have to ha re-retain -re or, I mean, any of those kinds of things that you that you're struggle with. It also brings up the controversial subject of uh, tongues, right, the speaking in tongues and so forth. So that's another one that's in there. So I did that course, and in, in, in that course, you, you get the opportunity to see that's another thing that can actually break the book down into segment divisions by that one subject. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So sometimes subjects will help you break down segment divisions as you progress through. Sometimes it's, it's doctrines of, of thing, more, more bigger doctrines like salvation itself. Um, and it, and in, the, in this book, you're going to see it broken down also by certain people. So be watching for those things. And if you keep your if you'll keep your at-a-glance chart worked on a little bit each week, it won't be overwhelming. If you wait until you're three or four weeks into it, then it's too, it's too hard for people. You know, you, if you do it little by little, you can go back and tweak things and change things like we, I did. You guys saw me do mine. I was tweaking it and changing it and go, oh, I think I see this here, and I retitled that, and... I saw this actually had two major themes, not one. And so I, there were things I tweaked as I went along. But at least get started. It's only pencil and paper, and you can erase. It's okay. <laughs> okay? All right. Um, 
so she she says to us as we get to the end of that primary step one discover that theme or that title for your chapters and then the last one is identify those segment divisions so that's all going to be in your at a glance chart uh step two is going to be to do your chapter study your individual chapter study because we do not do an overview what we are going to do is go right into chapter one and you're going to start developing it so if you have not done what i suggested and read the the whole the whole book on the whole or at least those first 12 chapters i think you're going to struggle a little bit with this so so get in there and take the time to do that then you're going to begin just the regular process of doing inductive work on each chapter now that's in chapter three of your how-to study book focusing in on the details read that one also through just once just to refresh your mind it's going to be old information for most of you but for those of you who are learning this for the first time this chapter three is is basically the nuts and bolts of what you're doing each week for the next 12 weeks or have what is it eight weeks we have in this part one right eight weeks um i only have eight chapters eight weeks well yeah eight chapters you're right you're correct but for eight weeks so for the next eight weeks as you go in chapter by chapter you're going to be doing that uh chapter three of focusing in on the detail over and over and over okay so fall back on that and refer to it um let me start by asking just a couple of questions uh concerning goal setting this is not something that we have done in a while because when you're in the prophetic books, the goal is to just try to understand. <laughs> I mean, if we just figure it out, we're happy, right? Um, but actually, goal setting is really, I think, an essential part of, of being a good student in the Word of God. Uh, also, to help us to come to some personal applications or personal goals is, is I think, helpful. So... Let's begin by considering some possible goals that you may want to set for yourself in the, in the book of Acts. And I want you to, to try to develop those as really genuine from your own heart, not, not me saying this is what my goal is. I want you to have your own. So I'm going to approach this by asking you some questions that you're going to be able to ponder on. And from there, then I think you'll be able to begin to develop what you think you'd like to accomplish in this book. So my first question to you would be this. What are subjects of interest for you in this particular study in Acts? I know that it, when we put this out as a possible book to study, right, you all had to make your vote, and this is the one that you said, yeah, we want to do it. Well, actually, I chose it for us, didn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the one time I chose it for you, but, okay retract that whole statement <laughs> if you had gotten to choose this <laughs> what would have been your reason for having chosen this particular book and do you have any questions or confusions that you would like to resolve as you're going through the book of acts what are some things that you think we're going to encounter in this book okay the, definitely the holy spirit is going to be a major subject in this book right because we know it's the birthing of the church right and how does the church get birthed through the holy spirit's falling that's the inauguration of of the birthing of this whole thing okay so the subject of the holy spirit so do you, if you have any questions about the holy spirit or 
or um, confusions about how does the Holy Spirit play into my relationship with God? How does it play into the the, um, specifics of salvation itself, maybe? Um, And would you say that on the whole there is any kind of controversy about the Holy Spirit in our world and in your and in your life? Do you have people? In, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, we laugh. Ha ha, right? When you have conversations with family or with friends, is this a subject that you almost have to sidestep because, first of all, maybe you're not as confident about what you know about the work of the Holy Spirit and it's its proper place in the Trinity and in salvation's work. Do you have that that full knowledge that gives you the confidence to enter and broach that conversation with people with confidence and gentleness? You know that wisdom, the knowledge of things, is what really gives you the ability to be uh, gentle when you approach a subject. How many of you would say that now that you have done the book of uh, Ezekiel and some of those end-time things, that you're less agitated when people start bringing things up because you're like oh no no let me explain because it's like oh yeah no no I got this I got this I can tell you right do you feel that way now where before maybe you felt like you kind of pushed back on the subject you didn't want to really talk about it would you say that that's true that when you have knowledge you're more gracious and you're kinder and you're more bold than when you don't have when you don't have knowledge you just know you're right but you can't defend it, and so then you get angry, right? Correct? Or you're quiet. Yes. Me, I'm angry. You're quiet. That's good. I'll just yell at you, Mary, and convince you that I'm right. But see, that doesn't solve it. What does solve it is the knowledge of it, right? So when we go into this particular book, the Holy Spirit would be one subject that maybe is something for you of interest. What else? Yeah. Why, well, and what subjects might be of interest for you that would be a, a, an opportunity for you to have um, a goal that might be set? We're trying to think of, of goal setting for each of us in this class. As we move forward, we want to have some goals. What do we want to accomplish by the time we're finished with the book of Acts? So what, what would you like to accomplish? Okay, so the idea of discipleship, and that's potentially, we do know this, that Jesus called disciples, right? So we're going to see Jesus doing that. So some of these things are going to be kind of, what, do you, what would I say? It's not like direct statements, going to be more observing to see what occurred so that we can draw conclusions from it. You know what they call that? Kind, we're kind of list making, they call that? It's not simple lists, and it's not topical lists, it's analytical. Very, you said that, right? Good job, Janice. You get the star for the day because that was off. Yes, analytical. So what you're going to do is analyze what you're looking at and draw conclusions from it because nothing is a direct statement, right? It's a conclusion based on what you're observing. Yes. Okay. What culture? Okay. Okay. So we're going to, you know, I'm going to take that and go one step a little further with it and say, Yes, it's about we're going to see and observe their culture, but what we're going to get to see is the transition of a culture, aren't we? From Judaism into 
Christianity and see that process and how it worked out. And, you know, was it an instantaneous, it's all new, or was there some struggles along the way? What do you think about the Jews when they had to start giving up their practices at the, at the temple and move into this new thing called Christianity, right? That would definitely be a challenge, although it's not hugely addressed in this book. There may be some smaller points that are going to be brought up so we can be watching for those. Well, and that falls in line with what Marion is saying, the model then of the early church. And how close are we today to really following the principles of that early church, right? What do you think would be the difference between the early church and where we are right now as far as having some of those rules and guidelines in place? We have the completed canonization of the word of God, which is huge. That's so true. Yeah, the general masses did not have a Bible in their hand. Only the priests had the scrolls. He would stand up and read. But I think the one thing they had to their advantage is they did a lot of memorization. So they knew what it said by, by, by memory, where we rely on finding it in our... That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? Boy, is there. Yes. You're right. <laughs> there you go. So true. <laughs> That's funny. There's going to be there, yes. And there's one. There's one place when I was doing my read through on this, I hit that that one chapter with Ananias and Sapphira, where God puts them to death for basically lying to the Holy Spirit, lying to the to the leaders of the church about what they took in. And I think you know, there was a discipline that God immediately came down on them at that moment in history. And we, we'll look at that and work that out better later. But um, that shows you how God was truly had his hand in the controlling of what he allowed and did not allow in that early church. Um, and he made it profoundly evident to them. And the also, what was it that the early church relied so much on as they tried to develop the things that were going on, as they were trying to even identify the things that were happening to them at that time? Prayer was huge. So prayer is another subject. You could do a, a, an additional 
subject study in the book of Acts just on prayer to see the power of prayer and how it was utilized and how valuable it was and the power of it in that early church. And are there ways to take that now and incorporate that back into our lives today or into our churches today? A whole ministry could be birthed out of this study on this subject of prayer for our present church. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, excellent. Anything else? Miracles is huge. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, miracles is a huge one. It's uh, miracles and healings. Now, I'm going to take it up a notch and call it the sign gifts. There, You are going to see in here a very strong emphasis on the sign gifts, which are greatly misunderstood. They're almost held off like this, just like eschatology is for some. You know, they don't like to, because they don't understand it, they just avoid it. Um, the sign gifts are going to become much better understood by you if you will simply do as the inductive process says. Be objective. What does it say? List it word for word and then step back and ask who, what, why is going to be huge. Where, when is not quite as significant because they had and then ultimately have to come to also ask the questions. Are those valuable to us today and are they still in place today? Right? Um, one of the things I can definitely tell you right now, though, is many of these subjects like s miracles and signs uh, and speaking in tongues and the falling, of, or the falling or the filling, I will say it, the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, are subjects that we will not exhaustively study in the book of Acts. They're going to come up and present themselves and you might get stuck on a rabbit trail if you aren't careful. Discipline yourself to say, I'll do that in my free time. I'm going to get my homework done first. Okay? I, it's a big, big, big warning, and I will say it over and over through this study, I'm sure, because the, the danger is going to be huge for us, each of us individually, to get sucked down into something that we enjoy, something that we're caught up in, something that we love. You know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the tongues thing. Maybe it's witnessing. Maybe it's what you know, whatever it is, evangelism or something. But we have to say, I'm going to get the homework done first, and then if I have time, I'll go and enjoy the more details on those other things. But, yeah, so that was one. And, Diane, you had one. Okay. No, but they had Jesus in their presence until his ascension, right? <laughs> so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, really cool. Right. Right. That's good. That's good discipline. Because only because until you study it in an objective way. This is, it's not like precept is, is some kind of mystical, magical formula. But it is a formula which is objective if you will apply it the way that it asks you to do it. You look for what does it say, not what do you think about it, not how do you feel about it, right? You say, you look for what's obvious. What's repeated, right, is what's obvious. Not what I get drawn into, but what... What seems to be the, clearly the message and how do you discern that? What gets repeated the most? So when you start marking those key words, 
The other thing in history, what is the other thing that is really huge in here? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I mean more, more the chunkier pieces, people, places, and events. So if you remember that, that you're in history and you're looking for people, places, and events, and those are significant in this book, just like in any, any history book, you're going to, people, places, and events are going to be marked. Also, time references need to be marked. Make sure you don't miss those every single week. Um, one of the things for me that I have always looked for uh, seriously are the contrasts when, you do, when you're doing your homework because contrasts will often show to you he says one thing here, and then there's always a but. And then he, he gives you the other side. And if you're careful, sometimes the first part's in the first two or three verses, and the next part's in verse 20 or, you know, whatever. And so you have to look for that contrast, but you can find it once, once, it's, once you see it. It's obvious that's what the whole book's about sometimes. So just keep that in mind as well, that you want to look for those contrasts, because contrasts will help you to clearly uh, figure out what the author is really addressing. Okay, so we have, I'm just going to run through a list of things to tickle your brain. You might want to make a list on them just so you can be thinking about them as possible things that you say, you know what, yeah, that is something I've always kind of wondered on. And these, these are going to be subjects that are going to pop up for us. We've already talked about the Holy Spirit, but also Pentecost, which brings up the subject of feasts, all right, the feasts of Israel. Those 12 apostles and the distinct office that they held of those 12 specifically. Um, I know I've talked with um, Craig and a couple of others also about the choosing of Matthias as the replacement for Judas. And um, when we start digging into this and we start looking at it, and, and the important thing about looking at Scripture is not what do you think about it, but what does it say? And what does it say is the final word on it. That is the authority. So that's what you've got to handle. Choosing of Matthias is a subject. Signs and miracles and eschatology. Jesus' promise of his second coming is mentioned in several places, right? Although it doesn't talk about the end times, it doesn't give us any detail like Ezekiel did, but it's going to allude to it or mention that he's coming again. Uh, we're going to look at the subject of baptism. Uh, we're going to definitely handle the birth of the church. We're going to also look at the subject of Hades at some point. There's going to be a couple of places where Hades is going to come up, which is going to be fun because we've done that a couple of times in here already. And to revisit that in perspective to what we're looking at in Acts is going to be good. The new covenant will, of course, be a subject, right? A major theme in here. The Davidic cov covenant is also going to be brought up. Uh, the kingdom of God is brought up, the subject of the kingdom of God. And what you have to do is evaluate what are they talking about when they speak of the kingdom of God. Are they just talking about, quote, salvation? Or are they talking about the kingdom of God in that thousand-year millennial reign? And so you're going to have to split hairs to try to discern. Um, you're going to look at the subject of prophecies, the value of them, the purpose of them, how they're used in this particular book. Um, evangelism. Evil spirits will be another thing that will come up. Um, certainly the Levitical law, right? The law and the Levitical law. What we're going to do is we're going to get an opportunity to see an awful lot about Pharisees and Sadducees in here. 
This is going to help us, and I think it ties us back into Ezekiel. So one of the things I love to do when I enter into a new study is see how often my previous study is either strengthened or reinforced or additional insight is given to me, right, when I, when I move into a new book. So if you think about the encounters that um, the early church had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, not to mention the ones that Jesus had himself, wh- how do you think that's going to tie in with what we studied about in the book of Ezekiel concerning the people and their temple service? Mm-hmm. A known God and a forgotten God. And what do you mean by that? I'm lost. Oh, that's right. The, so false God worship and all that, right? You're talking about that? The unknown God. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, good. Your subject is coming up, girl. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do when we see the Levitical system or anything pertaining to the law or anything that has to do with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, your little brain might go ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. I remember back in Ezekiel, we were seeing them do this and this and this at the temple, and God is the reason God's spirit left. It's why the Shekinah glory left. It's why they were evicted off the land. It's why, and now they're back on their land. What temple are, are they in at that point? What temple is present among them at that point in history? Herod's temple, the second temple, right? So that first temple was destroyed because of all the abominations and the, and the uh, profaning of God's name through, through the things that they were doing. Now what we're going to be able to do is observe that in the book of Acts again and see... Have the Jews improved any <laughs> from the first time God evicted them to where we are now, right? Um, so that's another potential subject. How about um, another thing to look for as we go in here are, if, are also titles of Jesus. Uh, any titles that he, his name is given? One real profound one that's going to come up right away is Christ. When they refer to him as Jesus Christ, you might want to even write it on your paper as Jesus the Christ because it is a title that has a meaning behind it. It isn't his first and last name, right? It isn't like Katie Phillips, Jesus Christ. No, it's Jesus the Christ. And so if you understand what the Christ was about and why they put that title to him at that point when it's mentioned in Scripture, it's going to also enhance your understanding of why either what was going on was so bad or so good, one or the other, right? So consider that. Um, I think the other thing, well, and do look those up in your Greek dictionary, by the way. I, I said note them but look them up. And I will, as you know, say, did anybody look up that name for Jesus? Did anybody look up that title? And it's not going to have been in your homework probably, but I, it will be for the purpose of our class something that I really in, um, will stress, and I will do it for you if that's the way you guys like it. But I so enjoy it so much better if you all have done the work too. It, it, it strengthens the things that I say up here because you've done it, you've seen it for yourself, and you're not just taking my word at it, right? So just keep that in mind. And they aren't going to be a huge amount of them, but they will be there as you go through. Um, 
all right. So I think that covers some possible things to think on. Yes, James. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. So, so how salvation drastically change a person. Absolutely, James. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do we know people in our world today, in your lives today, in your families, in your coworkers, your your, you know, just whatever the person at the grocery store or in politics? We can always go there. Uh, but are there people out there that who really feel like they're oppressors against Christianity and Christian values? And what could be the transforming work of, of the Holy Spirit in them if they come into true faith? Um, you know, we talk sometimes, my husband and I talk about certain people that are in our lives and we think they're never going to change unless they get Jesus. Now, if they get Jesus, all bets are off because there's going to be transformation. And so you, you, that's a good subject to consider. Yes, yes, yes. And some are more evil than others, granted, you know. But, but yes, an oppre- a person who oppresses the church does so by what spirit? Now, there's those evil spirits mentioned again. And, though, and you can subliminally and, again, analytically draw out insights about the work of Satan in this world through people who don't know God and who reject God's truth. And when Jesus speaks about it, he says, you are either for me or against me, right? And a house divided will not stand. And so he addresses that issue that, that you are either supernaturally supported and empowered by Satan or you are supernaturally empowered and supported by God himself. And who is greater? God. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world who is Satan. So that's, that's a a comfort to know so those are some thoughts so now with those kinds of subjects dancing around in your head i would like you to go home and ponder between now and when you get your next opportunity to come back um to your homework time but then start jotting down a few things you know what i have always wondered about that i'm going to be watching for that and i know that kind of adds a little extra bit of work potentially for you i'm not asking you to find a subject and delve in on it and make this study for you a subject study on that particular question but what i am saying to you is this this study in acts is an opportunity to lay some foundational pieces in place for you knowledge for you about those various subjects are you are you kind of following me in this in this particular study we will never thoroughly develop any one of those subjects So you're not going to get all your answers, and God doesn't give all the answers in one place. He'll mention something, he'll give you a little bit of insight, and then he moves on. So you have to look at it from the context in which it's in, the author's purpose for stating it, draw out the clear facts or doctrines about that that you can draw conclusions about, and then set those aside for one day when you will come back and do a thorough study on that particular subject of interest that we're speaking of. But this book has got so many subjects that are going to come up. It's really, it really is exciting. It's like every week's going to be a new, yay, 
know, look at this. This is all about this. You know, and you're going to, I always wondered about that. You know, you're going to find that there's going to be a great deal of, of exciting um, fodder along the way for us to grab hold of and do f some fun thinking on. Okay, so now let me just go through with you, and we're almost done. We're going to have a real short class today, guys. We have no video, right? You know, does anyone in here need help with, with uh, how to set things up and what to do regarding homework? I think you all are pros at this, right? I've already set up my book. I've got my index dividers put in place to divide each of my chapters. Um, I've bought my micron pins. I've, I've even brought one to show in case somebody knows because we talk about these a lot, but these micron pins are what I like to use when I work in my Bible, particularly because they don't bleed through. But also, they're great for your homework observation worksheets for the same reason. They, they don't bleed through to the other side of the paper, and they're super-duper fine-tipped, so you can write really tiny, and you can get a lot of information on your sheet. So these are great pins to have. You can buy these through Precept Ministries as sets. You get all the colors. Um, or you can buy them at arts and craft stores like Michael's and um, Joanne's Fabric has them, I think, also. So they're called Micron, M-I-C-R-O-N. They're Pigma pens. They're also what people use when they journal or, or do archival work for, for pictures, you know, uh, uh, photo albums and scrapbooking and, and I'm sorry, say it. Oh, yeah, scrapbooking. <laughs> yeah, so those are good. All right. Right away, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and look through. I'm just going to walk you through observations chapter uh, for your first week's homework. You're going to observe chapter one only this week. Aren't you glad to know that? <laughs> uh, but, but add to that a read-through. So you find time somewhere, instead of watching a TV program, just sit down and open your Bible and do a read-through. I, I know that's asking a lot, but please do that because you're it's going to be very, very helpful when you go in. Do that before you do day one's homework. Because if, you, if you've at least kind of looked at it on the whole, it's going to help you then when you go back into chapter one and start digging in. You're going to, she actually tells you in your homework on day one's homework, read through the whole chapter. So that's part of your homework. So you can say, yeah, I've done that, okay? Marking key words, making lists on people that you marked, and you're going to title your chapter, okay? So that's day one. Day two. You're going to investigate some cross-references on one of the people that are mentioned in there. Part of this ch uh, d uh, week one's homework is going to be about uh, trying to uh, let me let not identify the author because the author is not given to us in this book. But it's controversial. It's, it, I mean, it's one of those, well, it, we think it's this person or we think it's that. And the, in the end, we really don't know, right? But you can look at some things to say, well, it looks like this and it looks like that. And these people are in association and this kind of writing looks similar to. So you can, you can draw some measure of conclusions. And so that's kind of what you're going to be doing in your week one, in your day one homework in that week one is look for the author's purpose. You're going to consider tradition that Luke is the author and investigate cross-references on him. Uh, you're going to do a little mini topical study on the Holy Spirit. And you're going to do a word study on the word baptized on day two and three. Now, does anybody need help on how to do word studies still, or is everyone good? Okay, good. I brought it with me in case we needed to do that. You're also going to identify major 
events and key subjects in that chapter one. And we're going to also do a little bit of cross-referencing for understanding about the kingdom that's mentioned there. What's really cool is, again, you're going to get to split hairs. What kingdom is this referring to? Is this referring to the end-time kingdom? Or is this speaking of just the kingdom of God in relationship to salvation? So that's where you're going to need to discern. Okay, context rules for interpretation, right? Now on day four, you're going to do another word study on power and witnesses. So you're going to talk about the filling of the spirit and how the power of God falls upon you for being witnesses. You're going to compare scripture for deeper insights. You're going to do cross-references for subject of being a witness. So the subject of evangelism comes up right away, doesn't it? And she's going to ask you to memorize a, a verse in here that she has identified as that's essential. Um, one of the things, you know, we like to, to do when we do what we call overview, and since we don't do overview for this, you're looking for your author's either the, the author's purpose statement or some kind of a declarative statement that, imp that makes it clear this is the agenda for this book, right? In, in Acts, you're going to see that. What's going to happen with chapter 1 is the disciples are going to ask Jesus a question or they're going to ask a, a question and the response is going to be uh, to Jesus. Jesus' response to him is going to be, but this. Don't worry about this, but this. And so would you say that's pretty profound when it's the last word that Jesus says to them before he ascends? How important is that last word? Pretty significant, right? He's, would you say that if Jesus gives a a commandment. How many of you walk out the door and give your kids one last statement? And you always, it's the one thing that you absolutely want to make sure that they get done and they don't forget, honey, don't forget to turn off whatever, right? Or to close that door or lock this or take the dog out before you leave. Or, I mean, it's going to be some major thing for you in, when you leave. It's the same thing. When Jesus is about to leave, he's going to give them a command. And so she's going to ask you to memorize that verse. So... I hope you can do that. I hope you aren't going to go forget it. No way I can handle. I can't remember my own last name, right? But work on that one, okay? The other thing in day four is you're going to observe the text to examine the subject of Jesus' return. And this is cool. Nobody brought this one up. Where Jesus is now. Another subject. It's like, okay, so where is he now? What is he doing right now? You know, the, the contemplation of Jesus in, in the heavenlies. Okay, day five, last week, the very last day is uh, the subject of prayer. As we mentioned earlier, how that is going to be a subject that is definitely going to come up. So we're going to look at the subject of prayer. Uh, observe for further insights, uh, cross-references that uh, concerning the apostles. We're also going to, so we're going to look at the, the subject of prayer, then the subject of those apostles, specifically those that are listed. We're interesting, too. One of the questions she poses kind of shows you the contrast. Well, these are, these are who are listed, but who's not listed? Have you ever considered it from that perspective? It's really cool when you go, oh, yeah, they aren't listed. Why? Right? So that's cool. Observing again in this, in this particular text the women that are also with them. So that's another subject that's going to come up, which does, you know, kind of gets overlooked because we're so busy looking at all these bigger events. The women who are there kind of in the background, but the significance of those women and what that tells you about Jesus' 
perspective on them or his view of them, how he values them, right? So we're going to look at that. We're going to develop a list on Peter. We're going to begin that. And Peter is going to be a major uh, personage as you progress through this for the, f- for the first segment. So make sure that you, when you start that list on Peter that you're faithful to keep it in a place where you can keep building on it. You're going to move it forward every week because Peter is something we're going to develop more and more. Okay? Meditate on Judas and what you conclude from this account of his removal and replacement. That's another question. So that's going to be a, it's interesting, it's only one day's homework, but that one alone can be a challenge. I know Craig said he's been digging and digging on this one for quite a bit, haven't you? You said you've spent quite a bit of time on this already? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it it is another one of those subjects that could take you off on a rabbit trail if you're not careful, but we are going to consider Judas and what we can conclude from what was said and the prophecies that are quoted and what they did, okay? And the significance of the number 12 is also addressed. Uh, That was kind of interesting. I went, I wouldn't have even honed in on that one at all. That would have definitely gone over my head, but she brings it up. It's just a brief look at two cross-references, but it's, it's going to give you a little more insight about that. And then she will conclude by saying, now you may read your commentaries if you'd like. Okay? So that's the week's homework. Pretty simple, especially after Ezekiel. <laughs> I'm going, everything's simple after Ezekiel, huh? <laughs> now, um, let me just show you what I personally have done. I did this this past week as my first run-through Um, If you want a system that's, I think, pretty, um, uh, what's the right word? It's orderly, sort of, on how you might want to do a read-through. I like to read-through, and I do it at my computer because I stay awake better. If I do it on the couch, I just go right to sleep, right? So I sit at my computer. I open up an observation or, or a worksheet in my Word document, and I make myself, in this case, I made myself 12 blocks that I could fill in. And each block is chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. So it's all the first 12 chapters for what we're going to be doing. And then as I was reading, then I would go in on my computer and just, because typing is so much faster and cleaner, you know, I just typed in my first impressions of each chapter. What did I, who who was the major personage? What was the major event going on in there? And what did I see kind of that popped out to me that seemed like it was significant? Since it's my first read-through, I don't know what's repeated yet, right? Yeah. I'm only going to discover that after I've done a few chapters. But your first read-through, you can at least kind of pop through. So what I did is I actually went back and started, um, once I kind of moved along, I could start seeing things that seemed to be themes. So I color-coded the theme things the same. The things where I saw them witnessing, I did in green. Anything where I see them referring to signs, and miracles and healings, I, mar- I marked them in a certain color. Um, I also noted a couple of martyrs, uh, people who died for their faith in that early church that I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's going to be brought down further yet when we move into part two. I don't know. But I just kind of marked them in a way that would help me to see maybe some things that are a flow. By doing it in this way, it's like marking keywords. But because I just kind of have, am getting my first blush, I'm not putting any, a, any real faith in this yet. 
but it gets gets me started and because I just did it in blocks and just put my points of interest or my points that were significant to me that popped up to me this just gives me a place to start okay so you might want to do that for yourself if you're interested it isn't necessary you can do it on a piece of paper too right with pencil <laughs> for those of you who like the paper and pencil all right any questions about where we're headed all right. Well, I think we've, I've done as much damage as I can, <laughs> but I hope I've encouraged you and at least given you an understanding of where you're headed. I can tell you week one's homework is always large, so keep that in mind. Do not procrastinate on your homework. Make sure that you give yourself time for this because it is your first time through. It's all going to be new information. You're going to have to ponder on things a little harder at the beginning, okay? Thank you, guys.